When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Reporting in progress. Three, two. And welcome back to the Rock Chalk Podcast. I am your host, Andy Mitz. Today, we are previewing probably one of the biggest matchups of the season, at least in the Big 12. Uh, Kansas will be hosting the Houston Cougars. That is the number four ranked, but number one in Ken Palm. Houston Cougars coming to Allen Fieldhouse on Saturday. To help me preview this game, uh, you may know him from a fellow 1012 pod, or podcast network show, Sam Raz, uh, from, uh, the, oh gosh, the podcast. I for, somehow I had the name and then my mind went blank. Sam. It's all good. Scott, Scott and Holman. Scott and Holman podcast. Andy. Oh my gosh. Anyway, yeah. Welcome, Sam. <laughs> Welcome good back to the Andy. show. All yeah, right. Yeah. All right. So, Let's just jump in, you know, with kind of the first thing. Um, Houston, obviously, first season here in the Big 12. And while I don't think anybody expected Houston to struggle in the Big 12, um, they've definitely held their own. They've definitely, you know, they, they look like they've been playing in the Big 12 for, you know, the last 20 years. What is it about this team, about this roster that allows them to be able to make that jump immediately in where you're seeing some of the other teams struggle? So I would say, I mean, it's been since the 2017-2018 season where Cougar fans have experienced at least some degree of high-level Kelvin Sampson basketball team. Obviously, I would say the talent level and whether, you know, the transition of being like good top 15 to 20 team versus good top 5, 10 team, I think it's been kind of a gradual rise over the past seven-ish seasons. But I think what makes this team particularly special is that Kelvin Sampson hasn't had a bad defensive team or even anything worse than a very good defensive team since that 2017-2018 season. But I would say even with a decent chunk of Big 12 play still to come, decent, you know, obviously mid, uh, a certain big field of 68 event in mid-March is still to come. I would confidently say now here on February 1st, this is Kelvin Sampson's best defensive team here at the University of Houston. And I think being this high-level defensive team, I mean, you, we were talking about Ken Palm off air before this. I, I really do think there's no longer a debate of whether or not Houston is the best defensive team in the country this year. It's how does Houston in 2023, 24 stack up against previous top defensive teams? Does that 
make this team unbeatable? No. We saw Iowa State and TCU at their buildings win close games against this team, but being a high-level defensive team does paper over a lot of other flaws. And I don't think this team has a ton of flaws, but I think being a high-level defensive team that's played together a while. You have guys like Jamal Shedd. This is his fourth year in the program. Uh, Jaywan Roberts, this is his fifth year in the program. Uh, Javier Francis, his third. And I mean, some new guys in there. Damian Dunn, who comes over as a super senior from Temple. Uh, LJ Cryer, who's played in the Big 12 uh, the past few seasons at Baylor. And, and I think LJ Cryer is a nice, I, I guess, uh, one player case study of, you know, can guys come in? Because, I mean, LJ Cryer was the first to admit when he kind of did media stuff before coming to the program that, hey, I need to work on my defense. I am not I am not the level of defensive player that I want to be to play this game professionally in the coming years. And I'm not going to say LJ Cryer is the best defensive player on this team. I feel like Jamal Shedd is very much the head of the snake there. But LJ Cryer, if he has any defensive shortcomings, I, I think has been very much uh, covered for, which I don't, I don't think he has. I, I think he's very much been a cog of uh, a truly high-level defensive team. So I think that's where it really starts, is that you have this group of guys, a number of whom have been in this program multiple years, and are defending at a high level, at a higher level than anyone prior in this program under Kelvin Sampson, which is high praise, because this is not Kelvin Sampson's first very good defensive team here. So I think that's kind of where it starts. Yeah, I mean... You look at this team, and I think one of the biggest criticisms, right, coming into the beginning of conference play was, oh, well, did they get that number one ranked defense based off of some not great offensive teams? And and while that might have been something that you could have pointed to coming into conference play, you look at in conference play, they are the best defense in the Big 12 conference. So it's not like they got into Big 12 play and all of a sudden, you know, they they started struggling or they kind of came back to the pack. They are still, I think, by far number one in most of the defensive categories in the Big 12, um, which kind of tells you, I think, just everything you need to know about how real this defense is, which makes it interesting, right, for, for, for Kansas because Kansas has actually done a really good job, especially recently in Big 12 conference play, of not turning the ball over nearly as much as they have been. Um, but that's obviously one of the things that Houston really – you know, uh, excels at, um, is that kind of one of the focuses of this defense or is that kind of just a byproduct of the way that they play? So yeah, Andy, I'd say it's a little bit of column a, a little bit of column B there. Uh, I mean, I think the, uh, game last time out against, uh, the Longhorns in Austin is a good example of how they turned the Longhorns over. I think it was 10 times in total. So not a uh, exceptional number for how active this team has been defensively, this season, but found ways to win besides that. So I, I think this is a very active team. I think Jamal Shea, kind of like I said, head of the snake there. I think he is, he's Mr. Active there, but there's also Emmanuel Sharp, Damian Dunn, the big man, J1 Roberts and Javier Francis. So I, I think it's a team that really does well by turning opponents over, but I think you'll also, it's, it's not simply a U of H has to turn Kansas over X number of times to be competitive in this one. I think the team can, defend in a number of different ways. I I think certainly it manifests itself in how physically active this team is. Sometimes it also manifests itself in the team getting whistled a fair amount. I I think to varying degrees in both the uh, Iowa State and TCU games, the Cougs found themselves, I think, maybe on the wrong side of there, maybe not able to do it as effectively as uh, they wanted to. So, yeah, and that's when we talked about on our show, that was the big uh, matchup that we were looking at is that, you know, Kansas – 
on the balance of the season, kind of in the middle of the pack in terms of turning the ball over. But like you said, if you look at the season, it's kind of a trend line, very much trending positively there. And I think we talked about two main points. Like if the Cougars can win points off turnovers by more than a couple and Johnny Furphy not scoring in double digits, then I think they're giving themselves a chance to win an Allen Fieldhouse. Obviously, easy easier said than done on both counts, but that, that is definitely something I'm sure this program's looking at and certainly what we looked at when we kind of previewed this head-to-head matchup. Yeah, I, I do find that kind of funny, the whole, you know, that's like saying, uh, you know, stop uh, stop Travis Kelsey from being able to catch passes or something. Like, you know, if he's going to go off, he's going to go off. And, and just relying yeah. on a guy who has been very um, – you know, very prolific in the last few games here to just not perform, I think is, is not uh, something you can actually count on. However, you know, Kansas has, you know, had kind of up and down from multiple players. I do think that, um, you know, they, they benefited from Oklahoma state coming in and El Marco Jackson getting opportunity to actually have a really good game. Uh, Kevin McCullers injury, I think throws a lot of questions around this one, right? Like our, is is this a game that uh, he's not going to be available, or if he is available, is he even going to be close to one hundred percent? And how does that actually affect what how this game goes? I do want to ask though, jumping over to the other side of the ball really quick for for Houston, like the thing that jumps out to me when I look at Ken Palm is that this is a team that doesn't really appear to shoot it very well. I mean, you look in you look in uh, conference play, they're you know twelfth in terms of two point percentage, uh, and they're only fifth in three point percentage. It's not it's not like far and away they shoot a ton of threes and they and they make a ton of them but it looks like they kind of make up for that by hitting the offensive boards like like is that the key to success for this team is it's not that they shoot particularly well it's just they get so many shots that they can perform well yeah and it's that's not even a new phenomenon with uh houston cougar basketball one of my favorite examples of it Although I will say the last two years teams, I think in large part due to Marcus Sasser, a future and current pro being a just very, very good shooter himself kind of changed that. But my favorite example of it is um, it was it was the COVID season. So we never got to see what that team did the postseason. But the 2019-20 Cougar team was 249th nationally, Andy, in effective field goal percentage but were a top 25 offense because they were just freakishly good at everything else, getting offensive boards, getting second chances. And I think that team was maybe kind of an outlier, but I would say this team has has a lot of that with maybe a bit higher of an offensive ceiling than the team four years ago did. The ability to get those second chance points. I think it's a, like you said, not an amazing three-point shooting team, but I remember when I was watching the uh, U of H BYU game a couple weeks ago, the announcers kept raving about, wow, they're making three pointers. It's like, you know, I know this team isn't a great three point shooting team, but they were acting like this team, you know, shoots like one for 10 from the field most nights. Like this team well, has no, the ability but, every so often, but, but, but they, when you're but playing not, against but, BYU that like is based on the three pointers, like that's the big question, right? Is can you shoot three pointers at a decent clip compared to what BYU does? And so I think that was much more of a comparison to BYU than sure. it was talking about Houston shooting threes. Yeah, and I guess my, my roundabout point there is that this team can shoot it from three. And I, I think a lot of that depends on really two guys, LJ Cryer and Emmanuel Sharp. Jamal Shedd has three-point range there, but I think he's pretty consistently like low to middle 30s kind of guy. Like what Jamal Shedd does is more attacking the rim, setting guys up, that kind of thing. I think it's what Emmanuel Sharp and uh, LJ Cryer were able to do in Saturday on Lawrence. I, I think that's how the Cougars go there. But yeah, to, to your broader point, I think it's a – Offensive rebounding, not turning the ball over, and uh, turning those second chances into points, which they did just 
like crazy. There were so many big buckets in Austin on Monday that were set up by someone like Jojo Tugler or J1 Roberts or Javier Francis getting the Cougars a, uh, a second chance after an initial miss. Yeah. I mean, Kansas fans are definitely familiar with LJ Cryer with the you know way that he's played against the Jayhawks over at Baylor. Um, you know, how big has, or I guess looking at this team, obviously I think everybody knows who LJ Cryer is. Everybody knows who uh, Shed is. What, what other players are ones that are kind of sneaky, good players that could potentially have a big impact on this game that you may not know about or, or that Kansas uh, fans may not know about? J1 Roberts. Uh, I, I think he's maybe the best example in Kelvin Sampson's almost a decade at the University of Houston of a guy developing in the program. Because I remember three years ago, he was probably the last guy. He was the last guy off the bench that still played a fair amount of minutes. And if you had told me in 2021 that Roberts was going to be a reliable double-double guy with a uh, a nicely developed offensive game in the post, I, would, <laughs> I love the kid. I would have laughed in your face because he'd be lucky to break uh, two or three baskets in a game. He's a guy who went from being just a complete offensive non-factor to a guy with a good low post uh, skill set, in addition to being an offensive, really good offensive rebounder, good post defender, just one of the toughest humans that's ever come through this program. And it's been, I, I think a lot of guys that fit that general descriptor. So that would be my guy to watch there. Would have, I think it probably would have been Terrence Arsenault, but sadly he tore his Achilles uh, against Texas A&M in non-conference play. So I'm going to say uh, J1 Roberts for that one. Yeah, that's fair. Um, you know, Kansas is, uh, I think most most Kansas fans are wondering who the the random guy that isn't that great at three-pointers, but is going to randomly just go off for, you know, seven of eight or something like that against the Jayhawks. Any any early candidates for that? That's a, that's a good one. Um it, I would happen, say, it literally happens yeah. all the time to the Jayhawks. It's it's like a it's like if you were playing a drinking game, right? Like you would be absolutely wasted um, every single game because you know, like drink every time a, a less than you know thirty percent three point shooter makes two in a row or something like that, and it's just a, it's ridiculous. I'll say if I can do it, if I, if I can do an either or, I would say Malik Wilson or Ramon Walker, who are both bench guys for U of H will probably play at least a handful of minutes in this one. I would say anywhere from four to five to maybe depending on foul situation, 12 to 13 minutes. I I know Wilson in particular, he hit just a completely out of nowhere three against BYU at a point early in the second or early, I'd say in the last 10 minutes of the, uh, in the first half where BYU looked like they were about to pull away in that one. And good, good defensive guy, good secondary ball handler, but uh, maybe not someone you'd expect to generally hit a three. He'll attempt him every now and then. Uh, I would say the same could probably hold true for Ramon Walker, though maybe a slightly better shooter than uh, than Wilson. Both guys I expect to see at least come off the bench uh, in in some capacity. And Lawrence, though, it might end up being might end up being as much as fifteen twenty, could be as little as four or five. Samson's been a bit tighter on his uh, rotation in the road game, so might not see a ton of those guys. But I think those are either or your two candidates right there. Uh, that's that's fair. Um, one other thing that kind of jumps out, and, and this will kind of be the, I think, the last question about the team in general, and, and then we'll focus on the game. Um, this team seems to not get to the line very often, and they seem to send their opponents to the line quite a bit. Um, how, I mean, how, how big of an issue has that been, and is it one of those things that you are worried about as you get into the meat of the Big 12 schedule? It's always kind of in the back of my mind. It's something that worries me. It's not a new thing either. This is... 
I mean, there have been some teams that have been better at getting to the free throw line than this one, but the, uh, the sending opponents to the line, ex- insanely consistent, uh, under Kelvin Sampson. Just, just because this team plays, I think, a very physical brand of basketball, sometimes that'll, yeah, I think manifest <laughs> being a very, very difficult team to score on. Sometimes if you get the right or wrong, I guess, depending on your perspective crew, it'll result in your opponent getting 20 something, 30 something trips, uh, to the charity stripe. And I think it's something that's just kind of baked into expectations, but it's also something, I mean, that concerns me, especially playing away from home. You get, you get a certain crew. Like I'm not, this is not me saying that I was, I was saying TCU were deserving winners, uh, of their respective games. I think the Cougs both sending the opponent to the line a fair amount, also themselves in both of those games struggling to get there. And also it's been kind of a struggle for this team to, uh, to make them though. I feel like that is trending, uh, in the right direction. I will shout out Javier Francis, the uh, first year starting big man who uh, absolutely needed to go two for two from the line in the final minute of regulation against uh, UT to keep that one uh, tied and did so. So occasional clutch free throw shooting there, but haven't been great on the balance of the year at making those and haven't been great at getting there, which I guess that doesn't surprise me as much because sharp crier and shed collectively, they do a lot of things very well. I mean, again, I would say those guys are the biggest reason that this is a truly elite defensive team, but neither is the, or none of the three are the biggest guys. And I think that really correlates to, you know, your ability to drive consistently to the basket, get the contact or get the basket. And not that those guys can't do that necessarily, but I I just think they're more ideally, I say, I would say shed of the three is the best at that, but I would say all of them are probably better at uh, being spot-up shooters. So, yes, it does worry me, but it's also kind of just been something we've accepted as just part of part of the uh, Kelvin Sampson basketball team. I mean, just like I'm trying, I'm looking, I mean, Ken Palm looking year by year, and there hasn't been a team better than uh, 211th nationally in the uh, opponent free throw rate uh, since his third year in this program, which. Uh, I would say coincidentally his uh, last season not going to the NCAA tournament. Uh, so just kind of, kind of something that is baked in that, uh, that we expect year on year. And, and yeah, it can be a problem, but it comes with all the good things that I think this program's done as well. So, so what you're saying is it's kind of like Kansas not shoot or not closing out on three point shooters. Uh, it's just one of those yeah. things you have, you have to, you have to live with. So, yep. um, you take the good with the bad, all that fun stuff. Yeah. But speaking of, uh, you know, Something, though, that you don't have to just live with that is really good would be the sponsor that we have here on the podcast, the Charlie Hustle Clothing Company. Charlie Hustle is a vintage-inspired clothing company based right here in Kansas City that has all kinds of great stuff and wants you to be the best-dressed fan this season. I'm telling you, they have probably the most fantastic collection of collegiate apparel. Um, and it's not just college stuff. They also have some some professional stuff, but they have every single team in the Big 12. Uh, I'm looking at the Houston collection right now, and let me tell you, that Five Slam Ajama t-shirt is absolutely just fantastic. I I, I have a hard time. Like, I, I put that up against some of the best stuff with some of the other collections as well. So, uh, of course, Kansas has, you know, uh, one of the one of the uh, stars of last game, Dewan Harris. They have an NIL shirt for Dewan Harris. And the Kansas Slam and Jam and Jayhawks. Um, just great stuff over there. If you go over to charliehustle.com, use promo code 101215. That's T E N 1215. You can get 15% off of all non sale items. That includes, like, that's not just Big 12 schools. That's not just Kansas. That's everything over there that's not on sale. And it's not a one time code. Like, that is a, 
you can use it as many times as you want every single time you go over and get something. So make sure you guys write that down and head on over there and find yourself some absolutely great apparel today. Charlie Hustle, Vintage Made Fresh. All right, Sam, I do want to go ahead and focus in specifically on this game. But before we do that, I need to throw it to a quick break. We'll be right back on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And we're back. I am here with Sam Raz of the Scott and Holman podcast here on the Tentwell Podcast Network. And Sam, uh, so looking at this specific game, obviously I think there's a lot of you know individual matchups that are super intriguing to me. I'm going to assume for the purpose of this discussion that Kevin McCullough is going to play. Um, that, was our, that was our assumption too. Right, like, right. So, all, all respect to Oklahoma State, like I don't know, to, to us when we talked about it on the show, it felt very much precautionary, which right. not bad. Well, idea. I mean, it was, it was a bone bruise, um, and so like theoretically he could get into warm-ups, and at, uh, supposedly – he got into warmups against Oklahoma State and was just like, no, I, I can't go. Um, I don't know. I think it was more of a, hey, if you're feeling anything at all, let's let's think about not going tonight um, just because they could afford likely to, to actually have that happen. But um, against Houston, I'm imagining as long as he's like 70%, he's probably going. So when you look at this Kansas roster and the way that it potentially matches up with Houston, is there a particular player in general that you're concerned about? Or on the flip side of that, is there a particular player that you think that Houston can take advantage of? I mean, it's a really good starting five. I, that, that's, I mean, that's kind of the thing with this Jayhawk team. I, my answer, I'd answer the latter question first and just say the bench. Just, because, <laughs> I mean, I don't need to, I don't need to tell you. It's, I mean, an incredible starting five and, uh, just God, if you get anything out of the bench, it's a, it's a nice bonus. I would say, and a lot of, I mean, a lot of guys, you could answer it, I think, four different ways to the, like, who concerns you, uh, if you're a Cougar fan from this Kansas lineup. So I'll, I think I'll stay with the guy that you were just talking about, Kevin McCullough there, just because, I mean, and again, this is something you could say probably about a decent chunk of the lineup. I think the length of Kansas sort of concerns me. There's a lot of things this U of H team does well, but I mean, other than, Damian Dunn and the now out for the season Terrence Arsenault, you didn't have a lot of the guys who could play something like a front court role who could deal with that level of length, I will say. 
not the first time U of H will play a longer team this year, but to play a team that has like the length Kansas has in addition to the skill, the experience, I think just generally that's difficult. And Kevin McCullough just the way he's evolved as a player. I mean, he's always just from his start at Texas Tech been a, a good college player, but that has, he's developed a three. He's developed the ability to be a secondary ball handler on a team that already has a, uh, a truly elite point guard, um, uh, in, uh, Mr. Dewan Harris. So it's the ability to both create and I think score and also to go against him defensively. I mean, I, I don't think I'm speaking out of turn saying he's probably your guys best individual defender as well. So I would say really on both ends, Kevin McCullough is the guy, even if he's somewhere between like 65 and whatever percent for Saturday, he's, he's the one that concerns me the most. Not saying that Hunter Dickinson himself doesn't have like a unicorn skill set. Not that uh, Dewan Harris is one of the few guys in the country that I would put in the same category as Jamal Shedd in terms of being a leader, in terms of being a, you know, a tough two way point guard, but I guess I had to answer that, Kevin McCullough, and the Ben, and just taking advantage of the fact that you can't have McCullough, Dickinson, Adams, Harris, and I guess Johnny Furphy play 40 minutes a game. I think it's up to the Cougars to make hay during the brief periods of the game when that combination of five guys is on the floor. So I guess I know it's not one specific player to take advantage of here, but I guess that would be my answer. And I guess generally Kansas not being the deepest team, though, again, you can kind of counteract that by having the level of starting lineup that the Jayhawks clearly do as well. Yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, something that we've talked about quite a bit. With, with Furphy coming on, you now have a legitimate, you know, full starting lineup as opposed to four really good guys, and you're trying to, like, plug the, the hole for the fifth. Um, but Marco Jackson having a pretty big game starting, you know, in place of Kevin McCuller, the question is... Was that again? That was that Oklahoma State, or was that you know him actually finding and that comfort level and, and doing what he needs to do? I do think it's helpful that after that kind of game, he then gets another game at home against a you know a step up in competition to kind of try to continue to build that momentum. Um, I, I I do think kind of looking at what Houston does, and you know you were talking about the length of Kansas potentially bothering. Like there was twice against Oklahoma State where Hunter Dickinson didn't even, like, jump off the floor. He just, like, reached up one-handed and snagged a rebound off of a, you know, play. And it looked like he was, like, a giant among little boys. It was it was ridiculous. And I, I think that, that that is always definitely a concern, um, especially since he, you know, has been dealing with a knee injury as well. So he hasn't been quite as athletic in terms of getting up and, and, and getting in people's faces. I, I wonder, though, the, the thing that I would probably be the most worried about um, – you know, especially since it typically leads to a lot of foul situations for opponents, is KJ Adams. His ability to pass, especially on the interior, um, you know, he puts a lot of teams in really bad situations with the way that he is able to to pass and kind of move the court around and, and like do all, everything you would need to do. He is he is, I think, what a lot of people would consider to be a point for uh, a point power forward. Um, he's brought the ball up multiple times. Um, when when Dwan Harris is on the bench, he's just as likely to bring it up as a guy like El Marco or, or Johnny Furphy or, or someone else. Um, and so, you know, I think KJ Adams is going to be one of those guys. Uh, I I swear, I mean, he's six seven. I swear his wingspan is like seven foot. It's ridiculous how far he can reach. So, I, I'm going to be interested to see what kind of role he has. He's he's kind of taken a little bit of a step back. I think as Furphy has kind of, you know, encroached on his his high energy type of role. Um, but I also just think that, you know, the grind of the Big 12, you're going to have some off nights, and, and KJ's had a, a couple of those. Jumping over, though, to Dewan Harris, you know, you kind of talked about 
I would actually say that Dwan Harris is is probably the best defender that this team has. Um, he routinely gets put on the most athletic guy on the perimeter, and usually shuts them down. Um, you know, you you don't see a lot of a lot of teams shooting over him. There's not a lot of threes coming from the guy that he's guarding. Um, you know, very very much a situation where kind of like with you know like Frank Mason, Devonte Graham, other really good point guards that Kansas has had. You can put him on a guy and pretty much assume that that guy is going to have a rough night. And so I'm interested. I do think that it's probably going to be Shed and Harris kind of matched up. And I'm interested to see how each team is able or each of those players is able to affect the other player. I do think that that helps Kansas a little bit and that they don't typically expect Dewan Harris to score a bunch of points. It's usually about finding open people. And so I don't know how much of that's going to be, you know, is, is Shed going to kind of back off a little bit and try to help around? which then opens up Harris if he's actually willing to shoot it. Um, or are they going to actually respect what he's done in, you know, a few of the big games, um, you know, especially if he makes one early. Like, that's, I think, going to be one of the biggest things and one of the one of the unknowns, I think, that could have a gigantic impact on this game. Yeah, you're talking about Devontae Graham and some recent Kansas point guards. That, that's definitely been something that I think the Rises programmer, Kelvin Sampson, He's done a really good job finding point guards here. Like Jamal Shedd, I think is the is the most fully formed and the most recent example. But before him, guys like Galen Robinson and Dejan Giroux, who were the guys going on the toughest uh, offense opponent offensive assignment night in night out, and uh, Shedd got to learn under a combination of those two guys as a younger player as well. I, that's I think. You talked about maybe the individual matchup I'm most excited about from this game is this, the point guard on point guard, how much of uh, Dewan Harris versus Jamal Shedd we're going to see, both in this one and in the uh, the return game at the end of the regular season in Houston, because, again, like I I don't think I would put more than one handful of guys in the entire country if I sat down and really like went through it on the same level as the, those two guys, as like veteran, veteran point guards who could do it on both ends. And I think Jamal Shedd, kind of what you talked about, has – has taken on more of calling his own number this year. He's taken on more of the offensive load, whereas he was very much a, not that he never had breakout offensive games prior to this year, but was deferring to guys like Marcus Sasser and, uh, and Jarris Walker and, you know, go back further. Um, uh, Tajay Moore and uh, Kyler Edwards, those kinds of guys. And now he is, now he is not just the guy who takes the ball off the court, the distributor, the, the defender of the toughest guy, but he can also call his own number. Like he did, did a great effect against uh, Texas tech at home, uh, played a very, very, very big part going back to his hometown, Austin and, uh, and beating the Longhorns on Monday too. So we'll be curious also, like that's a, no matter what he says about, you know, it's any other game and my home is Houston. Now, like going back to your hometown and playing the school that ignored you as a high school recruit and just lighting them on fire. That's a big emotional high. Even the, even with the emotional high of going to play it, at Fog Allen and playing Kansas for the first time as a uh, this Big 12 men's basketball program. So be curious to see if there's uh, let, letdown is the wrong word for it because you're never going to be in a letdown spot going to play Kansas at Kansas. But coming off a, a big emotional game and a couple games before that, having a career not offensive against Texas Tech, I'm curious what what he's got gotten this one uh, against the Jayhawks and everything they're going to present to him as a challenge. Yeah, I mean this is a this is a team that is not used to playing you know, in, in Allen Fieldhouse. And, and I'm very curious to kind of see, um, you know, how this is going to go. I, I'm, I was trying to pull up the information on the, the overall series between these two teams. And I don't think it's, I don't think it's very many. Uh, yeah. I mean, 
Kansas leads this, the all-time series five to two, two and two and one in Allen Fieldhouse. So they've only they've only played <laughs> seven times in all of college basketball history, which is kind of crazy. Um, Kansas has won the last three, and so, but you know, none of these players, with the exception of L.J. Cryer, has played in Allen Fieldhouse um, at this point. And so it is it is one of those things. A lot of a lot of players, a lot of teams talk about playing in that first time that you ever play at Allen Fieldhouse and how just how big of a, a of an experience it can be that has you know spurred some guys on to have really really good games but it's also been a little bit intimidating for a few guys so I, I'm curious to see how all of those guys are going to handle it um, you know you you can try to treat it as just another venue and just another place to go but um, you know it's one of the few places I think that you go into and it's just like wait a minute this is like this is like one of the one of the premier, you know, arenas in all of college basketball. So um, I know that Kansas fans are very fortunate to be able to experience that all the time. And I, I do think that a lot of them take it for granted as well. I know that I used to before I actually was covering the team, um, you know, with, 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 uh, but, but anyway, I, I do think that are, I'm very curious about how they're going to react here. If you had to kind of pick how this game was going to go, like if, if you had to, you know, share what you think, the script is going to look like. I mean, are you are you expecting Houston to jump out? You know, are you expecting Kansas to jump out? Like, what do you think is going to happen, and and, and how do you think the game's going to end up? If I had to guess how this one's going to start, uh, like if you want to talk about a previous uh, U of H conference game, like they went down, I think it was fourteen nothing to uh, Iowa State early on in Hilton in that one. I don't think it's going to be that bad, but I could see I could see it being like a 12 to 4, 11 to 5 kind of start to the Jayhawks. Like this UH team isn't a bad starting team. I mean, you could, you could find examples against good opponents where the Cougars came out strong early. I mean, I think BYU is a good example. I think a slight downgrade in opponent, though I still think a top 25 team where the Cougars came out and went punch for punch uh, with the Cougs with a U. But if I had to guess, it'll be Kansas will come out a bit stronger in this one. I think U of H will make it roughly even at least within a couple buckets around halftime and if i had to guess i I honestly have no idea how this is gonna go we talked about it off air before ken palm has u of h as a four-point favor in this one i would be very 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 surprised if any kind of sportsbook consensus has that kind of line out there if i had to guess it'll be probably a two to three point kansas uh favorite is the uh the line out there and yeah, I mean, gun to my head, if I had to make something like a uh, a correct prediction, I would I would guess that the Jayhawks will win this one by something between three to six points on Saturday. Uh, I think it'll be a close game. I, th- I think it'll be one that Kansas wins by a decent amount, but I also think that, again, just the emotional high of, one, in Jamal Shedd's specific case, beating beating this team from your hometown – and to just the emotional high of beating this program that uh, doesn't really deign to uh, give you very many head-to-head matchups in uh, in UT. So, like, Kansas isn't a letdown spot. Like, there's just no way you can go to Fog Allen and be a letdown spot. The letdown spot for the Coos, I guess, would be the game after this one, though Oklahoma State's bad enough that it might honestly might not matter for that one. But to this one, I, I think it's going to be a close Jayhawks if I had to predict it, but I also don't think it is uh, anything close to impossible. The Cougars can't win this one, though. Also, like we talked about before, uh, we went and looked it up on our podcast. I think it was like three times in the last five seasons that 
Kansas has lost a game. So it's an opponent averaging less than one home loss per season. No matter how good this team is, and I think it's a very good team in very many ways, this is a very hard place to win. So if yeah. I had to guess, I, I would guess Jayhawk close winning this one, but I think the Cougs can absolutely take this if they can uh, they can do some things well. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, Kansas is, uh, I believe they have one more loss in Allen Fieldhouse than Bill Self has conference championships. Um, under Bill Self. So, like, crazy stat. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, I think at one point, you know, there, there's just all kinds of really weird stats you can point to when you are talking about Kansas at Allen Fieldhouse. But I, I think kind of, kind of to your point, I do think that this is going to be extremely similar. Um, extremely, yeah, sorry. Um, it, for some reason, I was trying to look up what the line was right now and it kept giving me Kansas State instead of Kansas, uh, which is really, really weird. But anyway, um, yeah, you know, Kansas played Oklahoma, and I think it kind of played out the way that you were talking about, right? Where where Kansas got out to a big lead to start, Oklahoma kind of found their footing and came back, and it was it was tied at the half, um, or or maybe it was really close. I, I don't I don't remember if it was actually tied or if or if Kansas was up by a couple. But regardless, second half is when Kansas finally found their footing and really kind of pushed ahead here. And I don't know if it's going to be Kansas that does in this game. I think a lot of that's going to depend on Marco Jackson. Um, and really how healthy Kevin McCuller is. But, I mean, I, I think that this is going to be basically the same thing, you know, that one of the teams is going to find their footing in the second half and build a big lead, um, you know, might have to hold on to it towards the end. But I agree. I think whoever actually ends up winning this game will be the one that actually sets, you know, actually um, sets the, the pace, decides how the game is actually going to go, and then you know, is able to kind of build that, you know, eight or nine point lead to end the game. I think this is going to be one of those games where it's going to look a lot. Um, I guess it's, it's, it's going to look a lot more lopsided than it actually is. Cause you're going to get to a point where one of the teams is just, yeah, it's just going to like, yeah. yeah, start fouling, kind of run out of gas a little bit. And I guess that's really the question, right? It's, it's, it's can't stay able to feed off the energy of home and stay energized the entire time and keep up that pressure and Houston, you know, wilts or, is Kansas going to feel the fact that they don't have a very, a very deep bench, going to get into foul trouble, going to have issues? Um, I think that's kind of the other thing too that, that I'm that I'm wondering about is is in terms of foul trouble. You look at this, and I don't think Kansas is is should be too worried about getting into foul trouble just because how how often Houston you know doesn't actually go to the line. But we've all seen kind of weird stuff in the Big Twelve, and um, you know makes makes me you know what I've I've got to ask. What has been your impression of Big 12 refs so far? Honestly, better than the Americans. Oh, wow. And I'm not going to say they're perfect. Not going to say that I didn't get uh, disproportionately mad at Doug Sermon for uh, teeing up Damian Dunn uh, in a TCU game that was decided by one point. But if you're asking me on the balance of eight games, even some a number of them where U of H have free throw deficit, it should tell you that the bar is on the floor for the crews that the uh, the American contracted that I'm just like, yeah, actually, no, I think Big 12 refs are an upgrade. Do I think Big 12 refs are great? Or They're not get, objectively get good. Right? They're just objectively less bad than the American refs. Bingo. Yeah, that, that, that I think is the neatest one sentence summation of it. <laughs> oh man, I don't know. Who knows? Maybe a month and a month and some change of regular season will change my mind on that. But that's my first impression. All right. Well, let's go ahead and uh, you know anything else? I, I mean, we kind of already did predictions. So, is, is there a is there a guy that's your you know that you want to highlight or any other aspect yeah. of this team that you want to share before we get out of here? 
I'm glad you did. I don't know if he'll make a huge impact in this game, and I've been second-guessing my... Even though I love J1 Roberts, I'm a huge J1 Roberts fan. To my answer your question earlier, I love JoJo Tugler. He's a bench big man for the Cougars. Good recruit, like national top 100 guy of the Houston area. Has had to play a bigger role with Terrence Arsenault, another big uh, Southeast Texas recruit uh, tearing his Achilles in non-conference play, but just a ball of energy. I uh, don't know if he's hit half his free throws this year, but he got, I think, three or four just incredibly clutch offensive rebounds against the Longhorns. Uh, Javier Francis fouled out late, and he did a great job uh, playing the four with Robert sliding over the five in the last two minutes of OT in that win. I think in a couple of years, JoJo Tuggler will absolutely be in the Big 12 Player of the Year conversation. Like, give, like I just think about where Francis and Roberts were in their first year in U of H men's basketball. These guys are now both, I think, good starting Big 12 big men, but their first year in the program, Andy, they were barely playable against American competition. And this guy's going out there and playing 15, 20 minutes a night against Big 12 opponents and consistently positively impacting the game. Just, like, I think 6-7, but with, like, the wingspan of 7-3, like, He's, he's going to be a guy that's worth watching long-term. Do I expect him to have more than maybe a handful of points and rebounds against Jayhawks? Not really, but one of those guys who you look at the box score afterwards, and you're like, wow, he only had four points and five boards. Every one of those points and boards just came at an incredibly important juncture. So I'm uh, I'm using my last little bit of soapbox here to uh, shout out JoJo Tugler, who I think is a guy to watch uh, long-term as program and should play at least a decent number of minutes uh, on Saturday in Lawrence. I was, was, was going to say, yeah. it basically, it sounds like uh, you either aren't expecting him to have a lot of opportunities and they're going to be, you know, some fairly significant ones in key moments, or he's playing a bunch because of foul trouble and it's not good at all. <laughs> like, it's either or. <laughs> He and he uh, he against BYU. He when uh, Roberts turned his ankle, he came in and gave the Cougars eight or nine really good second half minutes while he was recovering uh, on the bench. Like I, I think he's a guy who is playing playing bigger than you expect an eighteen year old to play in this moment. But do I expect That's him to fair. be like one of the leading points output guys? Not sure, but had to mention JoJo Tugler uh, while we were talking about uh, this matchup and uh, this game. Yeah, completely fair. Um, you know, he also, I think already is honorable mention in all name teams. So Jojo Tugler oh, yeah. just, you know, it, it rolls off the tongue. So, really all does. right. Well, Sam, thank you so much for joining me for those that want to get more information about Houston. What is the best way for them to do that? Yeah, we are, uh, on, we are S H P A W D cast on Twitter slash X. That's our most, uh, active platform. We are the Scott and Holman podcast, uh, podcast P A W D cast, because we are just big, uh, irredeemable dorks that love uh, puns, but anywhere you get podcasts, Spotify, Apple, Google, etc. We are there. We talk weekly about the Cougars, and we just dropped an episode actually uh, overnight talking about the last week or so. If you want to kind of get an idea of uh, what this Cougar team's been up to recently and our thoughts on the uh, Houston-Kansas uh, head-to-head matchup, uh, give that a listen. Uh, good stuff there, in my very biased opinion, and obviously very excited to uh, myself fly 2,000-something miles and see See Fall Gallon in person. I think I kind of, when I looked at the schedule this season, I looked at the Houston Kansas games and I was just like, yeah, I'd be happy with a split, uh, this year. And I, I think I going into, uh, fog with, I think, realistic expectations there, but still very excited. I've seen a lot of, uh, college basketball venues, but, uh, none quite like this one. And, uh, excited to see it in person. Yeah. It's, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm hoping that we can, you know, have another conversation at the end of the season with a big 12 championship on the line. So we'll have to see, um, Absolutely. But, you know, with the way that this conference is going, I mean, you've got 
I think you have eight teams that are all within a game of first place right now. So, uh, yeah, three three teams tied for first, and then I think there's five teams that are in second just a game back. So it's a brutal conference. It's going to be, I think, extremely interesting to see how the rest of this plays out. So um, I agree, though. Like, I've, you know, I try to listen to as much stuff as possible, and, uh, and I, I typically will peek in on the uh, podcast for the team that Kansas is getting ready to play. So I actually t- took a listen to your guys' um, Great episode, as usual. So I highly recommend if you want more information about Houston, head on over there. Um, but that is going to do it for us today. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you have not already, please do go out wherever you get your podcasts, where it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, any of the other million apps that are out there. Just search for Rock Chalk Podcast so you can subscribe, get every episode as soon as it comes out. If you give us a rating and review, five stars, nice comments, it would be absolutely fantastic. But if for whatever reason you can't do that, just let us know what it is we can be doing better. We really do bring the podcast to you guys, get you all the information you need in as entertaining a way as possible. So if you have any comments, questions, suggestions, people you want to try to interview, anything like that, you can contact me by email at rockchalkpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at rockchalkpod. Of course, you can find all of the shows in the 1012 podcast network over at uh, 1012network.com. That gives you links to all the great shows. And you can support any podcast on the network as well by going over to patreon.com slash 1012network. Um, just five bucks to support your favorite show or if you want to support more than one, I'm sure we can figure something out. But um, great stuff over there. There's going to be some exclu- some more exclusive content coming up, so I highly recommend it. But thank you, guys. Uh, make sure you visit our sponsors, Charlie Hustle, Price Picks. Uh, great stuff that you can get with them over there. But that'll do it for us. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chop Podcast. Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.